Welcome to Archie Digest, the Riverdale podcast. It's a podcast. It's about a story that's about a town. And this week, it's a double digest because we are talking about Chapter 32, Prisoners, and Chapter 33, Shadow of a Doubt. And I liked one of these episodes. My name is Chris Hayner. My name is Craig Byrne. My name is Russ Burlingame. And I liked both of these episodes, although I, I agree with you guys that, that Prisoners is largely forgettable. It's the lesser of the. T- it's definitely the lesser of the two. And yeah, even though there were big revelations, there yeah. were. But as I actually, as I wrote on Twitter in my idiocy, I over the weekend, I think I wrote like I haven't even seen last week's Riverdale yet. And then I sat down to watch it while I was working on stuff Monday, and it wasn't until halfway through that I was like, <clears throat> "Oh no, I have seen this yet." It just left so little imprint on my brain, yeah. That like I don't care. And then I stopped watching. And then right before we started recording, I had to ask you guys to remind me of what happened at the end of the episode because I still forgot. Yeah, that episode was. Uh, I really like the idea of getting rid of Chick because I just. I don't know. There's no offense to Hart Denton, who plays the role exactly as it's written, but it's it's just a character I I have not enjoyed. There's just it's not even a like a character that you love to hate. It's just a character I just I want to go away. And yeah, and that that I mean that sucks, but it's also it's just the truth. He hasn't he hasn't for me he hasn't gelled in a way I'm assuming they were hoping he would, and it's not a knock on him or anything. It's just like, I'm already way too busy with everything else going on to also be constantly questioning chick's motives. Yeah. Although, although we did finally find out that the kid that was given up was FPs. Yes. And then he died. Well, I mean, technically before we found out. Well, sure. So, but, but also supposedly because, uh, until I see it floating in a river or in a yeah. morgue or something, I don't believe anyone on this show is dead. Yeah, which is pretty much the same thing with, uh, with Chick. I'm kind of at that point yeah. where I'm, I'm like, you know, we see the, the Black Hood chasing him down, but until, you know, he, until the Black Hood says, this is what I did with him and this is where you can find the body, uh, I, I don't believe that he's actually gone because the last time we saw him, he was not actually in the custody of the killer. Right. I know this is probably an unpopular opinion, but just because I'm so over these mysteries on some of these shows, I would be more than okay with it. If the black hood is Hal and he had somebody else double for him in shadow of it out. I don't think that he had somebody else double for him. I think that Hiram hired just hired a dude to be the black hood. Here's the thing. If we're talking, it's looking at Shadow of a Doubt. Going into Shadow of a Doubt, I was like, yeah, Hal makes a lot of sense. The planting of the Nancy Drew book mm-hmm. in his thing was so on the nose that if it is Hal, that is so lazy. 
that that was the smoking gun, and they're like, no, I like, I got it for you for a birthday present. Yeah. Get it? Like, if, if that turns out to be what does it, I'm just like, come on. It's, it's hard to, it's really hard because on the one hand, I agree with you. On the other hand, I, I am kind of of the opinion that as a misdirect, it's almost more lazy because it's like, wait, he waited 15 years to pick this up for her and he just happens to do it at the same time that the serial killer is using it and he didn't know that. Listen, Russ, you never know when things are going to get put on eBay. It's true. It's an electronic auction market. Like, it, stuff can come and go at any time. But it's also, true. another thing crossed my mind with um, <clears throat> the Betty and Cheryl of it all hanging out, which was very cool, is, you know, we did have the period of time where he was banging uh, Penelope. Yeah. But um, where has Claudius been the last couple of weeks? I don't know. He's probably been off taking care of his maple syrup empire because he's very clearly not Claudius. I I I forgot until right this second that Claudius was a character on this show. <laughs> I will be I'll be completely honest. Once Cheryl kicked these people out of her fucking house, I was like, cool, they don't exist to me anymore. They're gonna it's be just... back next week apparently, because according to the synopsis, the emancipation is finalized next week, which I assume means No, it's the finale. Oh, is it the finale? Okay. Yeah. Uh, they can stay gone. They should send a lawyer. Yeah. I, and again, like that actually, it's, it's funny. You're, you're like half joking, but at the same time, I think that says a lot about this season, which is that by the time we've gotten to the end of the season, this season has just been so like, there's just so much shit. Like all of the bad guys, we just don't want to see them anymore. It's like, it's just like the big bads on all these 22 episode superhero shows where you're just like, come on guys, just die already. Well, well, it's also yeah, because like, there's so many of them. Like Agent like, Fake Name, Papa Poutine, all those people feel like they were so long ago, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know? Especially in Riverdale, where it was last week. Yeah, <laughs> and like, in, in a show where I have to worry about Hiram, I have to worry about Hermione, I have to worry about the Black Hood, I have to worry about, now I have to worry about Archie's, like, vigilante gang that is left behind. You have to worry about TV's Andy Cohen. Hired goons. I have to worry about TV's Andy Cohen from Andy Cohen the TV show. I have to like. There's so many things I have to worry about. That's like I don't also want to have to worry about the blossoms. I want something here that's just. I was about to say normal, and then I realized what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, not normal, what? but like normal for Riverdale. Like yeah. I, I, a I love that Cheryl's storyline of late has been wrapped up in relationship with Tony Topaz mm-hmm. and B I like that like they gave her more dimension in these episodes by not not leaning away from that relationship but also being like listen this isn't the only thing going on in Cheryl's life she's also like working with Betty and when those right. two are together uh Madeline and Lily have a really fun chemistry when they play off each other in those scenes and it's just it's nice to watch they do it's it's like it's like last season when we had all the Betty and Veronica stuff before Veronica became a mobster. Like, it, it's just, it's fun to watch. And you kind of feel like whenever Betty and Cheryl are together, you feel like the, the, like the larger plot is moving forward. You feel like everything important that's happening in the show is happening around those characters. Veronica and her mobster sons thing was weird too. Oh Jesus! Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know where she wants to go with this whole casino thing. But I'm like, no, it's not. Okay, just... pause, pause. Small fry. 
Small Fry. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Papa Poutine's son is named Small Fry. That's too Riverdale for Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. His name is Small Fry. He's the little poutine. Yep. I... I don't know, man. The other thing I couldn't get over in this episode that just made me like laugh out loud is when uh, Jughead goes, "Hi, Attorney McCoy." Yes, which is like the <laughs> fourth time weird. somebody's done that. Remember, we wait, talked about wait, it once wait. before. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show before. I like, think I must not have been on that episode. They call her Attorney McCoy. I never yes. noticed it before in this episode, and it's ridiculous. Last time it happened, it was like the episode after she got impeached, and What's so her name? Uh, Sierra. Sierra, yeah, Sierra. Oh, that's right. But, like, nobody calls their attorney attorney. No. Literally nobody. And I don't understand it. But it's a thing that's happened a lot. on. The, uh, it's 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 almost like they're trying to be, like, a Lil Archie comic where it's like, oh, she lost her one-job title, so now we're just going to – we're going to keep the idea, like, the pretense of her having a job title instead of a first name. But it doesn't make any sense at all in the world of Riverdale. However, I will say I do appreciate that they're sort of giving her – like a redemption route after all the horrible decisions she made earlier in the season. Now she's yeah. like, she's kind of like, she's doing pro bono. She, cause she makes a point of pointing out that it's pro bono work, yeah. uh, for maybe dead fangs. Yeah. And also there's this like new cop in town who is named I, after who's, who is he? Uh, Michael Minetta. He is in black circle comics, the hangman. Oh. Dark Circle. Or Dark Circle, thank you, yes. I'm going to refer to him as Cop Mineta. Nice. <laughs> uh, he is, uh, in, in the comics, he is a, you know, a, a costumed vigilante in the same vein as the Black Hood. Uh, because in the comics, Black Hood is a good guy. So it'll be interesting to see whether Mineta, I mean, my guess is Mineta is the one who was the Black Hood at the town hall. He was the Ooh. one that, that Hiram had shooting at people. Uh, but that's literally just a uh, guess think, on the strength of Mineta being a Black Hood knockoff in the comics. See, I thought maybe he was Clifford Blossom pretending he's Claudius, pretending he's the Black Hood. <laughs> that could be too. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, speaking of speaking of Black Hood uh, misdirects or directs or whatever it is, uh, at the beginning of Shadow of a Doubt, did anybody besides me notice that they either CG'd or gave uh, – now I'm blanking on the, the, the guy's name. Uh, the guy who plays Hal Cooper, they gave, they either gave him contacts or they CG'd him so that his eyes were way, way greener at yes. the breakfast table than the whole rest of the episode. I did not notice that. They were ve- – like they looked very dark to me. I kept, they, I kept I kept looking at his eyes throughout the episode. And they looked darker than they'd ever. They looked way. They looked way more saturated. I guess is what I'm thinking of. Or yeah, well, and especially in that first scene, I didn't yeah. notice it as much in the tail end, and and especially like by the time you get to the scene where he's telling Betty that like she's crazy and he's not the Black Hood. Yeah. Uh, his eyes don't look like the Black Hoods from Archie's dream anymore. Right. But but at the beginning of the episode, they definitely did, and it really like it. It weirds me out because I'm just like, that was either a really transparent attempt to misdirect us or it was a really, like, transparent clue. (laughs) And in either case, the fact that they then removed it for the rest of the – or if not the whole rest of the episode, but removed it for at least part of the episode made it, 
like weird. Maybe he got an image inducer for the rest of the episode. Maybe. We did not mention my favorite part of Prisoners, by the way. What's that? What's that? The graffiti on Keller's car. Oh, yeah. I, I gotta go. <laughs> this is why Michelle needed to be on tonight. This is my last episode of uh, RG Digest. Uh, I feel like we talked about it at the Carrie musical, though, right? Because it was in the trailer. Yeah. yeah. But oh, that no, made me we happy. did. I was upset about it then, too. Uh, the the funny thing is that one of my friends from work, actually Jenna, who's been on this on the show oh, yeah. once or twice, uh, Jenna uh, had not seen, had not noticed that in the trailer, and so when she was watching the screener, I got like this frantic Slack message, like, "Oh my God, Russ, you'll never believe it!" And then she took a screen grab and showed it to me, and I'm like, "Yeah, I know that was in the trailer last week," and she's like, "Ah, oh, fuck." <laughs> did it yeah. did it help move any coffee mugs? No, sadly not. <laughs> I did remember to tweet it, um, which is un- uncharacteristic of me. I tend to like make these things and then never <laughs> promote anything. But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, that, that was a fun bit. Uh, and, and just because the, like the Riverdale writers are so cued in or keyed into the social media, I, I almost like, I almost wonder whether they've they've heard the show and that was intentional. And then I'm like, no, that's not the case. That's not I don't know because I don't think any of them have ever engaged. Like, I mean, like you look on Twitter, the only mentions of Sheriff Killer are like me and Michelle. Yeah. So it's not like a big thing. You know what, guys? I'll I'll be honest. I'm gonna go ahead and take credit for this. I think (laughs) I, I think it's because of me. Because also earlier on the Flash this season, they all went to Hainer's Auto Repair for reasons I can't even begin to understand because nobody else has that name. So I'm just assuming I'm inceptioning the CW network. <laughs> well, nice. see, unfortunately, if they do anything with Byrne, it's a shout out to the comic book artist John Byrne. It's true. So well, that's why they'll just, they'll name it. It's like K-Site Muffler, Muffler Repair. Well, yeah. on the, on the town map of a certain TV show that you always get annoyed when I mention it, there's a tavern called the Craigburn Tavern. K-R-E-G-B-U-R-N-E. But yeah, so the, that, that was a fun bit. And like I said, the like, the crazy part of me is like, did somebody listen to us? And then I'm like, no, that's not a thing. Um, I mean, I, I think that. Guys, uh, I, don't even, I don't even listen. Leaving aside, like, leaving aside the joke of, sh- of us, like, reusing sheriff killer for a year and a half the the reason the reason that it occurred to us in the first place is that it is a really obvious joke (laughs) yeah that we invented and now we are expecting a check in the mail for five hundred thousand american dollars here's something i let me hit a couple of things i liked Mm -hmm. a lot um i liked it that after essentially ignoring it for, I don't know, weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Jughead is magically a serpent again and attending to serpent business. And we finally actually, like, that was such a big plot line earlier in the season, his sort of rise in the serpent ranks. Yeah. But then once they all move to the same school, which is where you think it would get more intense since they're all around each other all the time, they stop talking about the serpents pretty much entirely. Uh, but then back in these, back here in these episodes, we find, we get Jughead like back leading the young gang. Yeah. We get, uh, Tony back earning her due in the career. Like it was all good. 
And it was nice to see those, like, after so many episodes of, you know, Betty and Jughead, Cheryl and Tony, Archie and Veronica, it was nice to see them mix those things up a bit, except for yeah. Archie and Veronica, who I, I think it's in their contract they can only have scenes with each other at this point. <laughs> because that's all, or, or um, ex, unless Mark Consuelos is there, then he gets dibs. Yeah. Um, By the way, is the school election still a thing? <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a fair question. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I was thinking, I there's so much padding in this season. Like one of the things that really occurred to me in Prisoners is that there are big chunks of this season that you could just cut out. And have no ill effects. Like, other than putting uh, Tony and Cheryl together, I feel like you could more or less remove everything from the time they kill Black Hood number one until Prisoners. And that episode would be entirely coherent in spite of the fact that it touched down on, like, nine subplots. Well, except for the mid-death, I would say. Oh, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) But... But, you know, I almost wish, and I kind of wish this for the superhero shows, too, that if they absolutely have to do 22-episode seasons, split it in half, like, completely. Just have one arc treated like a whole season, and then another arc treated like a completely different season. Oh, you mean like some of the balls, Gotham? Like the Freeform shows used to, even. When it was ABC Family, when they would, like, split, like... Pretty Little Liars for half a season, you know, things like, like that. Season three A, season three B. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think it would then you wouldn't have to like remember all this shit for nine months either. But it's like all of the CW shows that are twenty three episodes this year have suffered from this. But I think what's also interesting in taking it back to like the Riverdale of it all is the best shows on the CW are the ones that have been doing fewer than twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, I mean, Legends of Tomorrow, I think, was the strongest of the four Arrowverse shows. Black Lightning turned out well. The se- this season, the hundred is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I Zombie, I know you love. So, damn it! And there was something else I wanted to bring up that I really liked in these episodes, and I don't remember what it was. The Share B and B. The what? The Share B and B. Isn't that what they called it? Where uh, Hal was staying, yeah. still paying for his room. Yeah, I. I am baffled by his serial killer lair. Like, I don't know. It feels like, and it's kind of the same thing I said about the eyes. It's like, it's such a flagrant clue that it's either really lazy, like mystery writing because it's so, such a gimme, or it's really lazy mystery writing because it's such a misdirect. And I guess the fact that we can't tell which is, says something for the show. Right. Oh, another thing I want to bring up about bring up about prisoners. Was Midge's mother like ten when she was born? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> she looked like she was like twenty five. I mean, uh, let's let's face it. It's not like half of. I mean, half of the adults on this show kind of look like they're thirty. Yeah, true. Which which ones? I feel like Mark looks super young to have a kid who's 16. I also find it a little hard. Looks too young to have a kid that's 16? What I I, I find strange is that I don't see a world where Marisol Nichols, and although she's beautiful, Mage and Amick were the exact same age. And neither of them are the same age as Luke Perry. 
<laughs> That's all true. <laughs> it's like, but, yeah, this isn't happening. I, you know, here's another thing is that because of how just fucking nuts all the stuff at the high school has gotten, and then like everything that they've been doing with Machen and uh, Skeet, I, I know we've, we've said this kind of in a positive way before, but it's now kind of morphed into an almost negative thing. I'm more interested in what's going on with the parents most of the time than I am with what's actually going on with the core four. Yeah. Also, Machen just acts the hell out of it. Yeah, Machen... Talking, like, just even her facial expressions, like, she looked drained after the whole chick situation. Yeah, and I mean I that in say, the best way. I think that she, as as her character, has gotten more to do. Machen has just really embraced it. She's gotten like she was she was really good when uh, when Alice was kind of a one note character who was kind of a ranting, self pitying witch. <laughs> but as as it's gotten more and more complex, and she's gotten more and more screen time and more to do, uh, she's just so much better. I do have to bring up another situation I do have with Riverdale, though, that a friend of mine brought up, which is it feels like it's so hard to root for some of these characters because they've done such either stupid or, you know, unforgivable things. And now, of course, we've got Reggie as a series regular next year. Yeah. And here he is wanting to go, like, you know, let's go attack those serpents, y'all. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, let's go literally (laughs) murder a dude. Um, yeah, although uh, it was interesting to find out Hiram was paying them all. I mean, that's not that surprising because I think that throughout the last couple of episodes, they've been building up this thing that Hiram was losing his faith in Archie. And so as it became clear that Hiram was manipulating the Dark Circle to his own ends, the idea of him paying them makes total sense because yeah. if you can't trust Archie – then you have to have another way to keep the rest of them on task. Does this mean that we're going to see, like, a Reggie-Veronica team up eventually? No, because I think Veronica is going to turn on her parents finally. So I I don't think it's like Archie goes off the reservation and suddenly it's Veronica teaming up with whoever's next in line in the mob. I think Archie goes off the reservation and Veronica comes with him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we started to see that in this episode, which is the other thing that I really liked. We saw Veronica, A, Archie, not fall in line behind Hiram when it concerns his dad. He said, like, when Hiram's like, maybe you should go with the cop, you know? Archie's like, no, I'm going home with my dad. Yeah. And then not long after that, Veronica falls in behind that, and she tells uh, she tells Fred that she's backing him for mayor. And she tells her dad, oh, I've got this, this, I guess I'm going to be a casino magnate in this town where gambling may or may not be legal. I don't know. Um, but she has, like, she had her grand plan where she wanted to sort of branch out away from her family. Well, speaking and of, I uh, that. Good on her. Speaking of Veronica, though, um, that whole scene where she shows up at his room and pretty much seduces him, do you think that was to keep him out of trouble? That night. I don't know, but that was really weird because, like, she arrived and talked to Fred and then went straight to Archie's room with him. But wasn't Archie supposed to be protecting Fred? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, uh, 
I will. I, I don't know. I don't think that she. I don't think the idea was that she seduced him to keep him out of trouble. I think it was just them because they haven't had a gratuitous. These two can't keep their hands off each other thing for a while. And that's sort of their thing. And yeah. that was kind of borderline porny. But I do think that's their that, relationship in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I will say though, I I liked what Chris was talking about. I liked her kind of branching away from her parents and having her own weird mafia plan because. Huh. Even though I don't really like the whole weird mafia storyline, her coming to loggerheads with them and being like, no, you have to respect me. Like it, it's totally in keeping with the end of last season, beginning of this season. Cause at the end of last season, the beginning of this season, she essentially confronted her parents and said, you want my, you want me to be on board with your bullshit? Like there's terms. And then for basically 16 episodes, she's just kind of done whatever they said. And so the idea of her kind of finally stepping up and going like, you know what? You guys haven't actually been fulfilling your end of the, of the bargain and respecting me and, and filling me in and giving me the necessary information. Uh, it, it feels like kind of fulfilling the promise of where they put her at the end of last year. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And like the whole, mo- I hate the I hate the mafia stuff. I hate it. So yeah, much. it's because there because there was a moment in uh, Shadow of a Doubt where when Veronica oh when fucking Small Fry uh, <laughs> when they're at dinner with Small Fry and Veronica excuses herself to go powder her nose, uh, which I I assume in mafia world is code for like I'm gonna go do some coke, um, but like I don't think Veronica's into coke. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Small Fry starts talking to Archie, and he says, yeah, you're one of Hiram's capos. And Archie seemed flabbergasted. I thought, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, the, doesn't the mob boss have to, like, tell people that they have titles within their organization? I mean, I Does think... Does he not Ar- realize Archie's an idiot? <laughs> so like you have you have to spell everything out to him or he won't know what's happening. Oh Archie. I th- I think maybe the implication there was supposed to be that Archie doesn't like think of himself that way. That well, like I do Archie, you you've dug yourself in deep. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh I I I mean I could be wrong. I could be misreading it, but that was just my take was that Archie doesn't like hearing the actual word because obviously like he had the whole discovery of what that means earlier this season because he'd never heard the word before. And so I think hearing the word associated with him, uh, challenges his kind of self image. And that's what we were supposed to be taking away from that. Yeah, it was <laughs> everything gone. about it was so weird. No, yeah, he's he's not a, he's not a bright kid most of the time, um, but yeah, it was it was very seeing seeing Small Fry say Capo and Archie's befuddled reaction to it was the perfect encapsulation of what Archie as a uh, mafia a member of the mob has yeah. been. Like that's that just perfectly says it all. Yeah, Archie yeah. in the mob. What? I don't know what we're talking about. What's the mob? <laughs> One thing that we haven't touched upon is that former Archie Digest guest Joaquin was back this week, briefly. Yeah, yes, that's true. Kevin's uh, ex. 
And it was, it's, it's interesting because the fact that they brought him in for a story dealing with, uh, Sweet Pea, or not Sweet Pea, uh, Fangs, uh, when there's been all the speculation about Kevin and Fangs. Which I'm obviously just, was barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but I, in my head, I was just like, wait, is Kevin's ex gonna show up for like a half a minute just to steal the guy he's into? Oh, didn't think about that. Um, but, but definitely by this episode, I mean, Kevin seemed so put off too by the serpents that it was obvious that maybe he did not like Fangs in that way. Yeah, when did Kevin join Circle Hood Gang or whatever it's called? I don't know. He don't... heard there were shirtless guys there. Was he, because he, he wasn't a part of the original thing, right? No, I think that was the episode where he was hanging out in the woods. You yeah, know what I think? I, uh-huh. I think that it's, I think that he basically got to the point where he's like, fuck it, because he's, it, I think that he wasn't part of the vigilante group originally because he's a sheriff's son. And so like, this is not something that would have been okay with his dad. But now that his dad's not the sheriff and he's just like drinking himself to death in a corner someplace, Kevin's like, fuck it, I'm gonna crash some skulls. It's so weird. Yeah. It's just, it's so weird. That's, I, I do miss them being in school, in school and going to class though. Yeah. I mean, I'm really, and, and again, like, I don't, I don't want to be that guy who just whines about stuff and I don't want to be that guy who's like, it's not the version of the show that I want, so it's bad. But I am kind of at that point where it's like, man, we've had 22 episodes this season and I do not care about some of the biggest stories of the like season. Like the mob. I don't, yeah, the mob stuff just either, either actively disinterests me or I just am not interested in it. Or same it's thing, like yeah, same thing with all the dark circle stuff. And it's just like, I've, I've reached my kind of limit of things that I can kind of pretend like I have any interest in this season. I'm glad that the season is almost over. And I do think that as the season ramp, like ramps up to its conclusion, they are bringing all these things, like they're pulling these threads together so that it becomes a little bit more clear why we were supposed to have cared about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, I just feel like maybe the 22 episode order, it became like by the time they start pulling the threads together, it's a little bit too little too late for me. And that's the problem with a lot of these 22, 23 episode shows. Yeah, and I feel like we've harped on that a lot, but... At yeah. the same time, we're a fan podcast, and we spent all last season so just ecstatic. Like, there was oh, never yeah, an episode like, where all three of us were like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. But, or, like, like, you know, they would, when they would send us a screener, I mean, that would be like, okay, stop the world. Yeah. We've got to watch. Yeah, exactly. And that's just not the case this year, and it's disappointing. Uh, and, and so it's it's... It's frustrating because I feel like we've talked the same kind of handful of points around in circles on the show, but at the same time, they they remain relevant week in and week out because it's just like, come on, guys, it's like you 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 don't have to do that much work to to really sell me on this show. I love this show. I love these characters. I love these. I actors. love the cast. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's exhausting. I, like, I, I I did like the episode though. Like no, I, no, I didn't. I, you know. Yeah, I like it was all good stuff. I'm I'm kind of. De- degenerating back into my pit of like, cause we started, we started talking about the mob stuff and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, like I said, I really, the last couple episodes I thought were really strong. It's really ramping up. It's starting to bring things together. I do think that 
you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like, okay, is there a big story this season? And, you know, I think it was Craig said, well, it's Hiram and, and Chris, you said, well, what the hell does Hiram have to do with A and B and C? I think we're now starting to finally see them all being pulled together in a way that's semi coherent. Um, Here's a question for you. Wrong word to use for it, though. (laughs) Do you want Hiram to still be on the show next year? No. If I can, yeah. If I'm being honest, not especially. I don't think he brings enough. I don't think the character brings enough good to offset the bad it's done to the narrative of the show. Yeah. Um, but. Before we're done and for tonight, that's, that's so. not a knock on Mark Consuelos no. or the job he's doing. No, the way, the way the character is built has taken the show to such a strange place that the and I, I understand we're talking about Riverdale, which is a banana show to begin with. Yeah, but like it takes it to a place that feels foreign to the show. Yeah, I agree. Well, before we're done for tonight, uh, I mean, I think we made some references to it earlier that. Tony Topaz and Reggie are series regulars next year. Yes. Vanessa Morgan and uh, Charles, Charles Melton. And I think that's wonderful news because obviously Reggie is such a part of Archie Comics lore. And Tony Topaz, it's interesting because I know fans weren't too big on her at first because thought she'd get in the way of Bughead, but she brings out such good stuff in Cheryl mm-hmm. that I really love that dynamic, and I think she's an excellent addition to the cast. But I do wonder if anybody's leaving to make room for these people. It's it's <clears throat> well, the Pussycats are obviously gone, so uh, that's that's screen time that doesn't have to go anywhere. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, I think I mean I think that next season we're going to see probably less of the organized crime stuff. Even if Hiram sticks around, I can't imagine that the mob stuff will be as dominant next year because I feel like they've kind of they've plumbed it as, for as for everything they're going to get right now. Uh, and I think that this season inevitably is building to uh, Archie and Veronica both putting their foot down and saying hell no. And there's not a whole – like there's not a lot of places to go with it after that. Uh, so I think that there will be plenty of room to expand those guys' roles. I do think that uh, – I think that both of those characters are people who – I don't know. I mean, first of all, I feel like Tony has gotten more screen time than most of the series regulars this season. Especially Josie. Yeah. Uh, I I also think that Reggie is a character who easily could have fit into more of what happened this year. And so I I don't see a problem in trying to carve out a space for those people. Uh, Are we going to see rehabilitated Chuck Clayton again? Or was he just it a one-shot deal? <laughs> we saw him see Nancy, have we? No, I, I don't think that he that uh, I don't think that Chuck will ever be a series regular. And I, 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 I it's an interesting thing because I do think that they damaged him badly enough in the first season that even if we're saying he's rehabilitated and he's forgiven, I don't think anybody's ever going to really want to see him on a regular basis. I don't know. It worked for Dick Casablancas. That was a different time. Kind of like what we were talking about a couple of episodes ago. There's stuff that you could do on Veronica Mars back when there were 30 fewer great shows on TV. Yeah. That you can't really do now. Fair. Even on a show that feels very Veronica Mars inspired. 
Yeah, fair. But um, is there anything that we did not discuss from these two episodes that we should discuss? Do we think that Charles is really dead? No. Who's Charles? The real The actual son. Oh! uh, Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think so. I don't think that that's a... I think more than anything that they put that idea out into the universe in season one. And I don't know that they really knew what they wanted to do with it. But then fans latched onto it as like, oh my god, it's a big thing. And they felt like they had to address it this season. That's kind of the impression I got. Like, I kind of feel like the chick stuff was all kind of flying by the seat of their pants. And... I mean, I could totally be wrong, but that's the impression I got of the storyline, and I kind of feel like what happened was that they were like, oh, this is a cool thing we can tease and maybe do something with someday. And then the fans were just like, no! And and so we got what we got. Uh, I would agree with all of that. Uh, and and that is that is kind of... We've talked about this with, with Arrow before and Mark Guggenheim's like getting so into the social media of it all. But I do think that that is kind of the danger sometimes of really engaging directly with the fans is that you get to these situations where it's like some, you know, fans don't actually, they're not trained writers. They don't actually know what makes for a great narrative. And so just because fans are, like, demanding something does not always mean that it's the best thing for you to do. But if it's something like Alice and FP, it totally is. I, I, I'm I super interested to see where that goes next. Uh, I, I almost feel like the Hal as the Black Hood thing is something that they want to put in there just to... Uh, just to facilitate that, and that the... The story will end with Hal's death, whether or not he's yeah. a black... Yeah. yeah. Oh, and <laughs> actually, here's here's a thing, and this kind of touches on uh, Alice and FP, and it definitely touches on Cheryl and, and, and Tony. I feel like the show has almost kind of written themselves into this place where they have all of these kind of designated couples, and it's going to be really hard for them to break any of these people up, and it's going yeah. to be really hard for them to throw any meaningful challenges in front of it because the the shippers will revolt. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, that's not going to be pretty. I mean, I mean, look at the harassment Vanessa Morgan got. Right. Well, and and even beyond that, like looking at okay, so we're adding Vanessa Morgan as a series regular next year. I don't know how. In a show like this where everybody's constantly stabbing each other in the back and everybody's constantly at odds, I don't know how much really great storytelling these writers can plumb from a relationship where nothing really goes wrong. And I do feel like because this is the like the one significant like LGBT relationship on the show that you're you're going to fall into that territory of like the Sanvers slash way hot kind of shipping community where people get really behind it and then anything that happens that is a even a momentary stumbling block for them right. is going to be a cause for revolt. And so it's it's interesting like adding her as a series regular I'm simultaneously like oh my god that's great cuz like their relationship their dynamic and their everything has been so wonderful and I really like the character of Tony and I really like Vanessa. And then at the same time, I'm like, but what are they going to do with her next year? Because it feels like putting these two together has just created yet another bughead. 
it's like another relationship that you can't challenge because the audience will freak out. Yeah. I hope that's not the case. Yeah, I hope, I mean, I, I hope so. I would love to see the writers kind of get bold. And, and these aren't relationships that I want to see like end. I'm not sitting here going, they want to break, they should break everybody up so that the, so that the audience isn't happy. But I am like, I do, I do kind of feel like, I mean, obviously they're, they're like wearing literal hashtags on their shirts. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, you know what? There comes a point where when you're engaging that like deeply and on that meta a level with the audience, you're, you're inevitably going to create some like conflicts where good storytelling bumps up against the priorities of your audience. Hashtag uh, Sheriff Killer. There you go. Cut out. Cut it out. No, that's not what I said. I said get out. <laughs> See, exactly. You just proved my point. I, I don't know how. But, but in any event, oh, like, that's a concern that I have. And, and that you like, you've seen that with FP and Alice a little bit where it's like, they have this kind of strange tortured relationship. And every time they start to get close to each other, something happens and drives them apart again. And that's a TV trope. Like that's, that's a normal relationship, especially for characters who are like this, who are mature and who have years of baggage behind them and all that kind of stuff. But every time it happens, there are like shippers on Twitter who lose their shit. And Roberto goes on and is like, don't worry, don't worry. In a couple of weeks, you're going to be happy. And I'm like, dude, I just don't want to hear in a couple of weeks, you're going to be happy. I want to see how the story plays out. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, that's sort of the weird pitfall. And this isn't going to become like a, let's get shitty about fandom. It's, it's no. sort of, it's, it's a weird pitfall when you start playing specifically to a subset of fans. You can't, you have to, there was, there's been a lot of, with, when it comes to like the superhero TV shows, there's almost always a debate of like what is fan service versus what is advancing the story. And I, I do not, I am not a fan of fan service because to my mind, the only way you should tell your story is what you deem best for the story. Not like, well, but like, I have to do this because you know, this group of fans is very loud, so we want to do something to make them happy, so they'll talk about the show a lot. Like, well, I, don't, I don't care about any of that. Just do what serves the story best, and fans, if something happens you don't like, deal with it. That's how narrative works. Like, this this isn't, like, choose-your-own-adventure art. This is, and yes, I'm calling Riverdale art. This isn't choose-your-own-adventure <laughs> art. This is someone's take or this is a lot like like a big group of people's take on this story and the direction it's going and th- it has to go where it best serves the story not where it best serves a slice of the fandom but i mean obviously season 1 was written before the fans even got to see it yeah and i it think it sure. but, but it also helped like when like bughead became a thing like they could have gone the route of asexual jughead but they're like, hey, these two have chemistry. This mm-hmm. pushes the story forward. It works out well. See, I but think now that, if they do I a sexual junk yeah. it'll be a problem. See, and that then that is uh that that I think is a problem because Yes, it worked really well in season one. The fans really got into it. But just because the fans got into it doesn't mean it's the only option now. 
It kind of is, though, because the fans would go nuts if Jughead and, just and, suddenly became and asexual. That, and that's my pro- – and that's sort of where – and again, it's not like it's not me talking down to fandom because I'm a fan no. too. But that's okay. also disrespectful as, to the fans as who a are fandom, it, There's that, but also as a fan, you have to understand that like it's about telling <laughs> a story. It's just it's a story being told, and like you're not every like stories have ups and downs. You're not going to love every part of the story, and the story isn't written especially for you. It's written from the point of the view of the people telling it. I also think it's worth saying, though, that, like, and it, you know, as you're saying, like, we don't want to get shitty about fans. I, I really, like, I understand where people are coming from, that they want kind of their version of these stories. It's not the responsibility of the fans 100% to just shoulder the, like, well, stuff's going to happen. Like, it, a lot of it boils down to being the responsibility of the storytellers to, to ignore that feedback and to tell the best story they can exactly. in as much of a vacuum as they can. Like, yeah, they, that that yes, I, that, that that crystallizes it perfectly. Yeah. It is the onus is on the people telling the story to not alter their waypoint just because, like, well, we got a lot of tweets this week that are really in favor of this couple, so clearly that's what yeah. into it. No, don't alter. You can't. Al- it's your story. Tell your story. People re- will react to it. How they're going to react to it? They'll love some parts of it. They won't love some parts of it. But at the end of the day. You, as the creator of the story, have to sit back and be like, I think I created the best story that I could have with this property. Right. And that's really the only, like, all of this kind of spun out of me expressing a little bit of concern about, like, where do you go with Choni if you can't challenge it? And that's that's really my only point. It's it's not that I, like, and it's the same thing we said about Bughead last year where it's like, you know what? I love this relationship, but these are high school kids and eventually things are going to get rocky for a and while. It's season one of a series. Right. Uh, <laughs> but what we saw this season is that they challenged those guys for a little bit and then it felt like there was a recoil. And I don't know that that was actually driven by fan reaction, but that's kind of how it felt. Right. And... And so to me, I worry about the prospect of, okay, now we not only have Archie and Veronica and Betty and Jughead, but we also have Cheryl and Tony and now FP and Alice. And we're getting to the point where, like, when you get this static group of couples that you can't do all that much with because the fans will freak out and the writers are responsive to that, like, at what point does the whole show become very static? Because you, you, you're stuck in this kind of, model. Uh, and that's really my, and again, like I could be totally wrong. They could start next season and immediately throw all of that into chaos. And I kind of hope that they do, because if you throw it into chaos, then they can come out the other side stronger. Uh, whereas if you never challenge them because you're worried about how the audience will react, it, it it's going to stagnate and it's going to get boring. Well, and looking at it specific, taking the, the, the jughead of it all, Specifically, uh, like you guys, I spoke with Cole a lot during season one of this show. And yeah. as the Bughead thing was taking off, he still talked about how in his mind Jughead uh, was n- not necessarily asexual, but sort of deciding whether he was asexual or not. And it was, right. it was sort of informing how he interacted with, how the character interacted with women on the show and things of that nature. And 
to my mind, it told that those interviews told me that like, oh, Jughead's going to get like Jughead in terms of the relationship with Betty and in terms of his own sexuality is going to go into some very interesting places. And it just feels like that hasn't really happened because, and I can't, and I don't know if that was ever going to happen. If that was something that he was interpreting or if that was something that he had talked about with Roberto, I don't know why. And I can't really assume why I just know like we haven't, we we still haven't really seen that side of it. Meanwhile, the, we had like, what, a one week stumbling block with Betty and Jughead before they were back on. Yeah. And it's been sort of, which again, like, like, their relationship has been as status quo as anything in Riverdale can be, which isn't very, but still. I will say, uh, as much as, like, I, I already acknowledged, like, yeah, it seemed to me like that was in response to fans, and it seemed to me like that was in response, because even preseason, like, there was outrage at the prospect of Tony being, you know, something between them. And so I feel like at the time when there was a momentary stumbling block and then they were immediately back together, it felt to me like a response to the fans. That could entirely be my interpretation because obviously, as we talked about last episode, there's just a shitload of stuff in this show that they do and it's like a thing for a week and then they undo it and it's forgotten. Uh that that's just a thing that seems, and it's happening all over the CW this season. Like yeah. there's all these things on Arrow and the Flash where it's like, "Hey, look, Oliver Queen is going on trial for like everything he's done in the last six seasons." Oh wait, we're gonna do that for a week and then be done with it. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and, and so it's all just. It's, <clears throat> I don't know. I I I I'm very intri- I'm very intrigued to see where things like the relationships go. Like, first of all, uh, Betty, or no, uh, Veronica and Archie need to just break apart and cool off because both of those characters have seemingly become lost since this relationship kicked off in yeah. just mafia madness. And Veronica threw around the word mafia a couple of times in Shadow of a Doubt, I believe. And yeah. the whole time I was being like, does the mafia talk about the mafia by name? Like, the Shield's like, well, my dad's like, ma- you know, the other Mafia family. He's like, I don't know if that's something the Mafia would say. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if the Mafia said the word Mafia. It's kind of like saying Attorney McCoy. Yeah! <laughs> oh my god, it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I, I don't know. I, well, I, I, mean, I like, I like, I mean, I, I, go ahead. I will say that both, that, that with both Archie and Veronica being relatively new to the whole, hey, we're homicidal mobsters thing, uh, mm-hmm. maybe they would be more likely to say it than the grown-ups. Possible. I don't get the idea that uh, Veronica is as new as uh, she would like us to believe. She seems she seems a little too like comfortable with it all. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because last season we got really no inkling that she, like, it seemed like she was utterly shocked to learn that her dad was, you know, a mob boss. And then this season, you find out that basically all of the friends that she had growing up, all of their families are families, capital F. And these are all people who are very, very bad people. And she's very comfortable with that because they're the people she grew up with. And I kind of feel like, okay, so are we essentially meant to interpret that she was in denial this whole time and not actually surprised? Here's the thing. I am taking this to interpret uh, they 
last season they hadn't thought about it because uh, oh, yeah. we also have Hermione of last season who was like, yeah, like I'm working construction with Fred Andrews and we're kind of dating a little bit. And it's not, and, and then fast forward to this season, she's like a cutthroat mob boss. Her daughter is in the mob with her. Her husband is running the show and here comes Arch. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shucks, everybody. I'm in the mafia now. <laughs> yeah. Like oh. there was a, there was a lot of, to, to make the ma- to make the mafia uh to make the mafia story fit into the framework of the show they had to do some heavy duty character reconstruction yeah and i i agree that's a good way of putting it is like and and obviously we see that a lot you know the first season versions of things are not necessarily who these characters are long term because right. the first season you have to write one coherent arc so that if your show doesn't get additional seasons the the 13 episodes that we made make some kind of sense and then now that you're looking at this as kind of an open-ended project you have to open up the possibilities for these characters in a way that last year you weren't thinking about yeah it's so, very it's very one thing we talked about before we recorded, and I don't think we talked about it on the air, is, is Fangs dead? I don't know. It's so, I mean, I kind of feel like the answer is yes, just because, you know, this is a situation where in order to survive, you need medical attention. And it's not like Fred, where Archie was basically alone and he could throw him in a truck and speed to the hospital. I mean, you're in the middle of a throng of people who were literally just crying for his blood. So, I'd, I mean, certainly regular everyday people typically don't want to see that happen. And so they might clear out and let let him get medical attention, like once the reality of it sets in. But I don't know, angry mob mentality, you know. Think about all the like the conservatives on Twitter who – immediately leapt to the defense of that dude who plowed through the crowd of people in Charlottesville. Huh. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's unpredictable what kind of groupthink is going to do in the moment. We'll see. I I, I mean, I, I was definitely surprised by the whole Fangs thing because I thought I, we were going to get I Fangs mean, and Kevin eventually. Dang it. Yeah, I mean, the other side of it, the other side of, the, of the, that discussion is... Yes, Jason Blossom died last year, and then this year we had Midge. Like, I don't know how many recognizable, like, named Archie characters they want to actually kill in any given season. So it's it's possible that, you know, he'll be spared just by virtue of... Uh, Though he's only known from the Little Archie comics. Yeah, but, I mean, he's still, like... He's still a character who not only does the audience kind of like at this point, but also he has some history in the source material. So he might be spared by that just by virtue of the fact that like Midge was our big Archie death of the season. I don't and know Chick that Cooper. that is. Yeah. And Chick Cooper and, uh, Grundy. And Mr. I don't know Mr. if, uh, Mr. Bees, not Mr. Bees. What's the name? Fenton. Oh yeah. So I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's actually a meaningful. Like, I don't know if that's a meaningful thing that the writers are considering, but if you're talking about a a thing that could go either way, then that's a factor. Yeah. I guess we'll find out next week, huh? Yeah, I I assume that we'll know by, like, halfway through next episode, especially because 
I I really assume that new sheriff is going to take Archie and Reggie into custody at the beginning of next episode. Uh even if it's just a formality because obviously new sheriff is on the same take that Reggie is. Yeah. But I assume that just in order to calm it that you're going to get those two in custody at the beginning of next episode. And so pretty quickly, I imagine we're going to find out what it is that they are or are not being charged with. I find and that will also throw a wrench in uh, Fred's campaign. <laughs> yeah. Poor I Fred. mean, it's such a weird, like, first of all, like small town politics are really not that exciting. And they're kind of being depicted as super exciting here because this town is all kinds of messed up. Uh, but, you know, they, they put so much weight on like, haha, we have Archie. How can he run on family values when his son is working with us? Uh, and then of course now Veronica's working for Fred, uh, assuming that that carries over to next week and it doesn't change again. But I don't know. I really like, I don't know what the hell to expect out of this whole election storyline. I, I almost feel like it would be a better long-term story if Hermione were to win, but I just, I hate the lodges and all the mafia stuff so much that I feel like the, the short term answer is that they should lose because you don't like, I just don't see a version of this where you get to the end of the season and Hermione and Hiram having a big win in their column is satisfying storytelling for the end of the season. Like, even if it's the best story, because it offers so many more options next year, I feel like it would just be such a downer ending. Can I... <clears throat> I'd like to bring up something that... All right. So, Hiram Lodge essentially installed a new sheriff. Right. Yeah. In Riverdale, which is problematic enough on its own, because how, why did he have that sort of power? Um, sheriff isn't really, isn't normally a job you get appointed to. You get elected to be sheriff. So I don't understand if that, if that, I wish, I wish they would explain these things better. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a stupid thing that just sticks in my mind. It's like, that's not how you become a sheriff. We've seen, we've seen enough TV shows with sheriffs in them to know that like, Keith Mars, we brought up Veronica Mars earlier. Keith yeah. Mars ran for election to become sheriff. So who, who is the mayor at this moment? I can't, I can't remember. Who stepped, who's like the mayor pro tem or whatever? Nobody? I don't know. I, I, th I feel like that's what the answer is. I feel like whoever it is that's the mayor of the moment, I'm like wait, awaiting, cause obviously there's, it's not that there's no mayor while, the election's happening. Somebody has yeah, to. There's an assistant mayor or something. I choose yeah. to believe there is no mayor. But I feel like that's the answer is that like whoever is in charge right now is beholden to Hiram. And I thought that was like a, a line <laughs> in Prisoners was like when Sheriff Keller got removed, it was like, I get the impression that yes, he's an elected official, but like he can be removed for gross negligence. And that essentially if if Hermione wins, then she's going to demand a special election for sheriff or she's going to do whatever she's going to do. Whereas if Fred wins, he'll be reinstated to his job because Fred doesn't feel that there was actual gross negligence. 
Uh, and again, like that, this is all kind of applying, applying the logic that I can to the situation as I remember it. And so I might be misremembering it or whatever, but I think that there is like a mayor, like a temporary mayor in place right now who is somebody who's beholden to Fred or beholden, excuse me, to Hiram. All right. I will stop nitpicking then. Uh, and I, I, again, I don't feel like we've seen this person on camera, but I feel like it's been discussed in passing. Because you're right, like Hiram essentially is already functioning like he's in charge of the town in spite of the fact that A, he's not, and B, he wouldn't be, his wife would. Yeah, he's also not running for mayor. Yeah, although obviously they had that line in uh, Shadow of a Doubt where he's like, I'm voting for Hiram Lodge, and then Archie's like, Hiram's not running. And the guy's like, yeah, well. So clearly in the minds of... You know, the, uh, the people who want to go to war with the South Side. Hiram is the man behind the woman. It's very confusing. Yeah. And I don't understand, like, it's a small town. Like, the fact that he is a convicted felon and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? If his, if his voter base are voting for Hermione because they think that he's secretly pulling the strings. Mm-hmm. I don't think that those like people who are thinking that way aren't going to not vote against him because he was a felon. Like, yeah. I, I kind of feel like why have the extra step of having somebody? I mean, and I, I think that the answer, honestly, there's somebody out for revenge against Hiram and there's like the home invasion and the teaser for next week's episode. I almost kind of wonder if Hiram dies and then Hermione wins the election and it becomes like, what's she really made of? Like, if she's not scared of him, who is she? Is she season one Hermione or is she season two Hermione? And what does her as mayor look like? That to me is kind of the most interesting outcome for these. And I don't know. I'm, I'm imprinting what I think would be an interesting version of the story on kind of the available information we have about the last two episodes, mm-hmm. but it all kind of tracks. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts before we uh, shut this down for the night? And I'll go to sleep instead of editing this because there's like sec- 17 kind of edits that I have to make. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chief. Uh, I like I like chat. I li- I. Both episodes were better than a lot of the ones we've been getting lately. Mm-hmm. I don't really count the musical because that's sort of an Elseworld sort of deal. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked Prison. I like, I like Shadow of a Doubt a lot. Yeah, it me was, too. Yeah. It felt more like there was still a lot going on, but it felt like more concentrated. It knew, it knew what it was yeah. trying to accomplish and it just did it. And it also knows we're nearing the end of the season, so everything's, like, really ramping up to yes. something exciting. Yeah, I also, I feel like a lot of the reason that we have talked about feeling so exhausted by this show <laughs> is that right around the mid-season finale, we started to get all of the stories kind of splintering, and we started getting just so many stories to follow this felt like something, not, maybe not from season one, but it felt at least like something from the early part of season two, where you were still like, oh man, this Black Hood stuff is getting, getting cool. Yeah. Uh, 
and and then the black hood kind of faded into being a non-entity and there were all these other kind of things that splintered out of the mid-season finale that i felt like with all that split focus and all that crap going on it was not only exhausting but it it just watered the show down a little bit Mm-hmm. And this episode, like I said, it feels like they're starting to pull those threads back together so that the nine plots that we've been following are concentrated into basically three interlocking plots, and that's making it a lot more engaging to me. The other thing that I think we need to keep in mind is for season one, episode 12 was like the big episode, not the finale. Yeah, that's so true. So I'm curious if they're going to pull some of those cards this year too, where they have a big next-to-last episode. Yeah, well, again, yeah. that's that's this week, right? That's or not yeah. this week, but that's next uh, went on yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. So yeah, again, like it, it wouldn't surprise me just based on my reading of the previews if yeah. we get like the reveal of who the Black Hood <laughs> is and or a major character death both in next episode, and, and then the third to both is hell, and then the episode after that would be like the election and everything kind of shaking out. But then the shield, the fly, and the comet show up in the last scene. There you go. Yes. And uh, I'm so glad that the red circle stuff was as minimal as it was because I didn't. We don't need superheroes on Riverdale. I'm sorry. Oh, I, there aren't I mean, enough I, superhero shows on the CW. What are you talking? I like about? superheroes as much as anybody. We don't need superheroes in any way, shape, or form on Riverdale. Oh, you'd totally watch a pure, powerful super teens episode. I would if it were an episode of like yeah. wacky, like a, you know, yeah, uh, like a dream sequence, yeah, like but, they should do with Afterlife every year. Yeah, but I don't, I don't have any interest in the recurring like red or dark or whatever circle. Like, be done with circles, guys. I don't need it. Yeah, they need something with more impact. I yeah, see like what a you triangle did there. <laughs> or like a dodecahedron. Like <laughs> <laughs> Chris didn't see what I did there. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. I didn't hear you. <laughs> Why? What? Wait. Explain he, it to me. Go ahead. He said. He said they needed something with more impact, and impact was DC Comics's imprint oh, for Jesus. the Red Circle characters. And those were some damn good comics. They damn were, man. although you can't buy them anymore. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you. Said. Anyway. You guys make me angry. <laughs> we wouldn't like you when you're angry. Yeah, I turned green, kind of. And I turn movies a year before they come out, and then I'm like, "No!" I turn gray and wear a fedora. So. Hey, can we spoil Infinity War on our podcast? Uh, I don't know. I don't. Well, we can just pretend that yeah, you know I, the end I, of the I, podcast I, is the end of Infinity out, War. Here, come, here comes a huge spoiler. Hulk kind of turns green. Oh <laughs> shit! And then he screams, "No!" Oh man, yeah. Why I, is it that anybody named Strange doesn't have a nickname? That's a fair point. Uh, yeah. Because because they're B-list wannabes. Oh, I see. Wow. Wow. He doesn't, he doesn't need a nickname. His name is Doctor Strange. Again, win over Chris's head. That's all right. I wasn't. Yeah. I'm barely paying attention, you guys. <laughs> all right. So should we say uh, where people can find yeah, us? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Let's, go let's ahead, go Craig. Ahead. Uh, you can find me at KSite TV. Um, that's where most of my stuff is. I also have my Riverdale Twitter feed at Riverdale TV, where you can find my Riverdale posts. Go there, like it. Also, visit us on iTunes and you know rate us and review us because 
good feedback makes the world go around. And if we see positive, happy reviews, we're happy. And if you have questions or things you'd like for us to talk about on the show, tweet us. Uh, um, I'm at Riverdale TV. The podcast itself is at Archie Digest Pod. Tweet some questions our way, and we'll uh, cover them on the show. So, yeah. Go ahead, Russ. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Russ Burlingame. There you can find links to my author page at comicbook.com where I write about all kinds of stuff, including Riverdale. You can find also links to other podcasting that I do. I talk about movies on the Emerald City Video Podcast. I talk about comics and comic book TV on panel discussions and all kinds of other things. Uh, also, you can follow uh, Waterworld Photos on Instagram for – oh, wait, that's that's somebody else. No, go um, right ahead. No, I want to hear you talk about the Waterworld Photos Instagram account. Go ahead. Waterworld Photos on Instagram. You should you should totally follow this. These are photos of the Waterworld Stunt Show at Universal Studios California, and uh, they are it it's it's a national treasure. They have a stunt show. Is that I got all wet there? Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chris knows what I'm talking about. I do. I still have photos it's, of it. It's your fault. <laughs> I did. I took like Russ the first time Craig went to this thing. I totally was like, "No, man, volunteer. It'll be cool." And I hoodwinked <laughs> him into getting sprayed in the face by two giant water guns. Nice, nice. It and it was cold good. too. Yeah, it was not a warm day. Yeah. Um, you can follow me on uh, the Twitter at Chris Hayner, C H R I S H A Y N E R. That's also where I'm at on Instagram. I don't remember where I'm at on Facebook. Uh, but yeah, follow Waterworld Photos on Instagram, uh, and you can find me writing about TV and film at GameSpot. Which is where I'm at full time. I'm at Woo! all the time now. No, it's fine. It's, it's only yeah. fine. Don't worry. Um, um, there's one thing that we forgot to mention. Uh, oh, the Sabrina well, yeah. spinoff well, has an official title. Cobra Kai. Yeah, no, fuck Sabrina. Watch Cobra Kai on YouTube Red. It's really good. <laughs> and I Sabrina guess, and has the title. Well, yeah, it has the title that we knew about a year ago. True. Like how how exciting is there? I saw some people like, yeah, Sabrina finally got a title. I'm like, literally everyone's been calling it The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina since it was first announced. That was the original title, and then Netflix, I think, didn't want that title, and Netflix shifted it to Untitled Sabrina Project. And then apparently at some point Netflix was just like, fuck it. Yeah, that's the name. Can so. I Can I be honest with you? Yeah, I thought I don't like that. Like, I I shouldn't say this because I'm going to interview a bunch of Netflix people on Monday, but I don't fuck it. Like, Netflix TV shows annoy me. So, good luck, Sabrina. <laughs> I, I, I get like that. The title. I mean, I like the title too. I just I, but I I'm I'm kind of with Chris. I don't think I've ever. I, that this can't possibly be true. I'm sure I'll be correcting myself, but I don't know that I've ever watched an entire season of a Netflix original. Fuller House, well, yes, Fuller House, obviously one season one, two, and three. Um, Lost in Space is really good, but the pilot is very slow. The pilot, the pilot. No, I think the, I don't. I, I do. N- I don't agree with that. I think the pilot does a really good job at setting up the Robinson family, which. Can seem slow when taken into consideration with the rest of the season, which is about so many more people than just the Robinson family. Uh, but like, and I like the Netflix Marvel shows, but I wish they were about like a third of the length they were. Yes. Oh, you know who I'm talking to on Monday? Uh, OG Reggie. Uh, oh, nice. Oh, original Reggie. Why. Yeah. 
which I just got screeners for that show. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm very curious. Ask him why Reggie has a New York accent now. (laughs) Does he? Wait, I did that. Should I ask him that? Why does the guy who replaced you give Reggie a New York accent? What's that that all about? Uh, All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, tell us we're great. Uh, don't, I mean, you can tell us we suck, but like, that's like, use your time more wisely. All right. All, All right. right. So yeah, we'll be back eventually. next week. Yeah, I want to try really hard to get at, to actually like broadcast the episode on the day that the show airs, but that'll, I, I can certainly try. I don't know about the week. Uh, I don't know about the week after. I think though, I think River, unless we get an early screener, I think yeah. finale week, I'm going to see you too. Yeah, I was gonna say the the it's it's all so now it's gonna be insane with upfronts. Yeah, it's all contingent on getting screeners because really yeah. things have been just a madhouse for all three of us this this season. Yeah. And that's it's it's not like hey we don't care so we're not doing this live. It's more well, there's a million things going on. Yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> cool. All right. Good night, everybody. Love you. Uh, you guys. Welcome to Archie. Oh, I'm sorry, Craig. What's up? That was just like double digest. Oh boy. Welcome to Archie Digest. Double digest. It's a. This is a podcast. It's about a story. It's about a town. Uh, It's the Archie. It's the Archie. It's a bunch of things. It's based on Archie comics. I'm sorry, I screwed that up, you guys. No, just keep going. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll do a cleaning. I apologize.